Uh, so there's $20 here. Quite a blessing, right? Start your morning, find a $20 bill. But, but is it a blessing? I mean, if I have to give it back to the person who dropped it, is it still a blessing? Yeah, it could be, right? What if I go out and I buy drugs or use it from some, some other nefarious purposes? Is it a blessing? By the way, I'm not going to use it for drugs. If I take it as my own and don't try to find the owner, is it a blessing? It's kind of stealing, right? If I give it to someone in need, is it a blessing? So yes, I dropped the $20 here. Some of you saw me do it. <laughs> but, but in order to, to share something that I think is true, right? The truth, money in itself is not a blessing or a curse. Money in itself is not a blessing or curse. How we relate to money, how we use it, is the blessing or the curse, determines what it becomes. This month, we're, we're asking of Jesus in the Bible, like, what does it mean to be blessed? What is a, a blessing? And we're finding that, that a blessing is, is different than what culture or, or popular opinion often tells us. A couple of weeks ago, one of our amazing youth, Isabella Fetcher, she taught us that God has blessed us with a need. It seems counterintuitive that a need would be a blessing, but God has blessed us with a need for others, and that need for others, when we claim it, when we own it, it becomes a blessing. Last week, Carolyn shared that while it also seems counterintuitive, our burdens can be a blessing when we when we hold on to them faithfully and recognize that God is with us. Today, we're going to talk about money, which is one of the first things that can come to mind when we think about blessings. I was blessed with a windfall, or I was blessed with money. More money is a blessing we're often led to believe. But today, we're going to pause, and we're going to say, what, is, what does Jesus have to say about What does the Bible have to say about that? Uh, quick note for those of you who heard me say we might be talking about money and are here today. Thank you for coming anyway. For those who find talking about money a little bit uncomfortable, uh, I'm going to ask you, don't sneak out while I pray today. Um, because I think today's message is, at its heart, I say we're talking about money. I think it's actually less about money than it is about how we experience God's blessings. The life that is truly life for ourselves. So let's pray. Holy God, speak to our hearts this day. May we learn from your word. May we open our hearts to your love. May we be moved and inspired to be your people to follow Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, how much money would you need to be content? I invite you to think about it. Like, like what annual income, for instance, or, or what kind of nest egg would help you just, just be content, happy, comfortable in life? 
a group of researchers wanted to see how people in America answered this question. And so, so they designed a survey that polled people across the United States, across every income level, across the gamut of American life. They asked people who were making around $30,000. They said, how much do you need to really find happiness, to feel blessed? And almost all of them answered, around $45,000, we would finally be content and happy. And then they asked people who were making $45,000, $50,000, what, what would it take for you to be content, to, to be happy? And, and nearly all of them said, well, if we had around $75,000, we would be content. We'd be happy. You get where this is going. They, they surveyed those who were making around $75,000, and they said, how much would it take for you to be content, to feel like you, you had it together, you're comfortable and happy? And they said around $120,000. Across every income level, an overwhelming majority gave the same answer to how much they needed to be content. And that answer was, more than I have now. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul writes to the young church, he says, but godliness and contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. The scripture raises a great question. Are we? Are we content with food and clothing? Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you know that you will have food to eat today and more than likely tomorrow as well on your plates? How many of you uh, know that you'll have a bed to sleep in? How many of you know that you have a toilet that flushes <laughs> and heat in your house? Some of you may not, your heat may not be working yet, but, but right? How many of you have more than one outfit to wear? How many of you have more than 100 outfits to wear? Just kidding. You don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to answer that. You know who you are. And then one more question. Are you content? Do you have enough? Now, right now, I'm just going to guess that probably all of us, like, we want to answer yes, we're content. And I'm going to guess it's true for some of us. But I, I'm also going to guess for a lot of us, and I would include myself in this, I know that the right spiritual answer is yes. I have enough. But at the same time, there's something, there's another voice inside my head. My mom says, to be honest, honesty is good, right? And all of us, me included, the truth is, like, how often do we, not, do we feel like we need, to, need more to be content? We, we just need a little bit more so, so we can pay for our kids to go to college. We just, we need a little bit more so that our families can be comfortable and happy. 
We need more so that our hard work pays off with a good and comfortable retirement where we can be comfortable in retirement. We need more so we don't have to worry every time an appliance gives out or, or our car has trouble. We're taught by our, our world to think that the blessing that we seek, the contentment that we're looking for in life is in more. More money, more, more security, a bigger home, better cars and TVs, more comfort around us. And I think it's okay to admit this. In fact, I think it's healthy to admit it. Because if, if we'll admit that we just are struggling to find contentment and the, and the happiness that we seek, if we admit that we've been searching for it and, and more money and the newest iPhone and the, and the best TV, if, if we'll admit that we're searching for it in, in all those places and haven't found it, then, then we can be open to what Jesus says and teaches what the Bible says and teaches about what contentment really looks like. If we keep reading in the book of 1 Timothy, we find this. It says, command those who are rich in this present world. Now, I'm going to pause there for just a moment. By the way, uh, rich is us. Now, some of you are going, I'm not rich. Like, I know people who are rich, but I'm, I'm not rich. But anyone with enough to know that there's going to be food on their table for the rest of a week, anybody with security that they know there's going to be a roof over their head, anybody with a home with plumbing to have access to work, this is to be rich compared to so many in our world. We can read this as to us. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Isn't that a great invitation? Like, here's, here's what to do if you want to take hold of the life that is truly life, the contentment that you're looking for, the joy in life that you, you seek. Here's, here's what you can do to find that blessing that you're hoping for. And we might notice, right, that the, this life that is truly life, this blessing of contentment and happiness that so many of us desire and seek, it isn't found in gaining more. This blessing is found in how we use what we have. Let's pause here for just a moment. Right? The Bible tells us that blessing, blessing isn't found in gaining more. Blessing 
is found in, in how we experience and use what we have. In the Psalms, Psalm 24, it says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. What we just read in, in 1 Timothy, it echoes that. Everything comes from God. It, it, it all belongs to God. We're just stewards of everything that we have. This $20 bill, right? It's not mine. It belongs to God because it all comes and belongs to God. Our cars, they belong to God. You ever think about that when you get behind the wheel? It's not my car, it's God's car. Our, our homes belong to God. Your big screen TV, you might think it's yours, but it's also God's. And, and then the question becomes, when we sit down in front of that TV, when we drive our car, when we use this gift that God has given us, are we using it to honor God, or how are we using it to honor God? Or are we using it in a way that dishonors God? Blessing is realizing that, that when we're faithful stewards, sharing to honor God, to, to build community, to take care of those who are hurting, we get to experience the blessing of helping others experience the love of God, the love of Jesus. That when we use our homes as, as places of refuge and respite and hospitality, right, we're honoring God by sharing Christ's love within our home. In the book of Acts, Paul is sharing with the, with the church in Ephesus about his love for them and, and his hope for their ministry, his, his hope for the, for the young church. And he says this, he quotes the words that he had heard from Jesus. Paul says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The words of Jesus, it is more blessed to what? To give. Than to what? than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Right? How do we experience this blessing, this contentment? Well, Jesus, Jesus tells us in, in different places throughout his teaching, it's about a life of generosity. If we want to experience this, this gift of contentment, it's about our giving. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Freely you have received, Jesus said. Now freely give. Matthew chapter 5, verse 42. Jesus says, Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Jesus says, if you want to experience the, the blessing that God wants for you, give freely. Give joyfully. Give extravagantly. Don't, don't just 
give a, a little bit here and a little bit there, but, but put it out there and, and give to those who need and, and those who ask and meet the needs of the world around you. And then we find this teaching in Mark's gospel. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money in the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. This, Jesus points to as blessing. Jesus shares with his followers that we are blessed to be a blessing, right? To give joyfully and extravagantly and sacrificially. This is our gift. Corinthians, and Paul and Corinthians will go on to say that to give cheerfully, and I think what Paul means is it's not an obligation, it's, it's a gift. It's the way of experiencing the blessing that God wants for you. Pastor Jim was appointed as a, as a student pastor while he was in seminary to a, a smaller rural church. They worship 60, 65, and worship every Sunday. In, a, in class one day, he shared, with his, uh, shared with, with his teacher and those in the class about his first finance meeting with the church leadership. He came back actually quite amused. He said they spent about 30 minutes talking about uh, the finances of the church, and there were a few core giving families that really kind of propped up the church, and, and so they operated on a pretty a budget that didn't change much year after year. There were some generous people formed the foundation of that. Then after, the, after that 30 minutes or so, they, they were really excited to tell Pastor Jim about the big mystery at the church. About three years before that, the loose plate offering, which is like anonymous giving that just appears in the, in the offertory plates, or it can even come in, but it's anonymous giving, um, had more than doubled in a year, and they weren't sure what was happening, and so they did a little bit of digging, and they realized that somebody was putting $100 in cash in the offering every week. It had been going on for, for nearly three years. It was in an unmarked envelope, and regardless of how much they tried, they couldn't figure out who it was. And, and they tried. They watched who was putting what in the offertory plates, but sometimes it came in the plates, sometimes it came in the mailbox. They just could not figure it out. And these, these core families, these core giving families, they all figured maybe it was one of the other ones, but they all denied that it was them. Pastor Jim was pretty sure that what they were asking him to do was figure it out for them and solve the mystery. He wasn't sure whether he was going to do that or not, but he was quite amused by the whole conversation. Later that year, Jim showed up to class, and he was dressed in a suit, which for those of you who don't know anything about seminary, when a student pastor comes in a suit, it either means they have an interview or they have a funeral. And, uh, uh, and 
on this particular day, Jim shared with his class that he had a funeral, and he was going to have to slide out a little early, but he wanted to make sure to come and tell this story while it was fresh in his mind, because he said it was, it was such a great story. He was doing the, the funeral for a woman named Bonnie. Bonnie had been in the community her entire life. She'd worked for the schools for over 40 years, and uh, um, after she retired, she was a you know, at every ball game in the community. She volunteered in the, in the library. She read to kids. She was always at the church volunteering whenever there was an opportunity. Well, a few years, now in her 80s, or a few years before that, now in her 80s, Bonnie had had some kind of serious health issues, and she didn't have much from the, the retirement, and her money ran out, and she ended up on a limited and fixed income and living in a, in a senior living center with, with subsidized housing. She was forced to give up driving, but it didn't stop her from finding rides to get to all those volunteer activities even into her 80s. As she passed, she didn't have any children. She was never married, and, and so there was a niece that lived in a nearby town that had come and was taking care of the arrangements and, and what little was, was there of her estate. And Pastor Jim had met with the niece a few days before that, and the niece had told her that her, uh, her Aunt Bonnie didn't want anything fancy for the funeral. She didn't want any money spent on it. She just wanted something really, really simple, to, an invitation to know the faith that, that she knew, because she wanted as much to be left in her estate as, as she could. After they finished planning, the niece handed Jim a note and said, my aunt wanted you to have this. Jim pulled the note out and read it. It said, my dearest pastor... Without children of my own, the church has been my family. I am so grateful for all the love and all the care. When my money began to run out, the one thing I wanted most was to know the church would continue to be there for others like it has been for me. That's why I committed to $100 every week. I didn't want any recognition and the search for the donor was quite entertaining. So I kept giving cash and never shared it was me. I asked my niece to continue the gifts after I'm gone, but she said once I had passed and the pension payments stopped, there wouldn't be much left to keep doing it. She suggested instead that I give what is left from my estate to the church. It won't be much, but hopefully it can help the church be there for others. God is good all the time. Sincerely, Bonnie. The mystery was solved. A few weeks later, Jim shared with the class that he met with the finance team as the estate money came in, and it wasn't much. But the finance team, wanting to honor that spirit, went to all of those major donors and invited them to give gifts, and they put together $100,000 and created an endowment in Bonnie's name that would give 5%, $100 a week into the ministries of that church. Blessed to be a blessing. Jesus invites us 
be blessed by sharing our gifts to be a blessing. Being blessed, right? It's about being in position to know and receive God's grace. It isn't about the thing that happens. It's about how we receive or react to the thing, whatever it is in life, the need, the burden, the, the money. It's how we receive and then share our lives in the fullness of God's love and grace. Which allows us to ask this question, what position are you in? Some of you have, have heard me teach this way before. What position are you in? The world says there is comfort and happiness and, and wealth and more and better things. But the truth is, the truth is that the more we hoard God's blessings, the more we live in fear and worry about the things or the money that we have, the, the less we live the life that is truly life. The Bible tells us a different story about blessings, about the position of our lives. So I want to just invite us to experience this. I want to invite you to put your hands out like this. Hands out, palms up. Right? And, and imagine now that God is pouring blessings into your life. And those can look a lot of different ways, but, but right, everything that we have, God has put into our lives. God has, God has poured out blessings. Now, right, we have these blessings, but, but we need to protect some of this, right? So, so take one of your hands and, and protect some of that money for, you, you got to retire, you got to take care of your kids. Protect some of that money. Pull it in. Keep it close. Right? And, and we got to we got to protect the things we have because there are people in our world who, who steal and who take advantage of us. So, so pull that close too, right? Now, right, we've protected all what we've got, but can we receive more blessings from God? We're holding on so tight that, that we don't, we're not open to anything else God wants to do in our lives. Now, what happens? Put your hands back out. If we're willing to share, if we're willing to, to give, if we're, if we're willing to even let ourselves be taken advantage of sometimes because we're, we're so generous. If we live a generous life, look where we are again. God can shower us with more blessings. We're open and ready for God to bless our lives. The more we share, the more freely we experience joy and life, the life that is truly life. I say that one more time. The more we share, the more we give, the more we live generous lives, the more we experience the fullness of God's blessing, God's love, God's grace. Next week, we're going to have an opportunity in worship to, to bring a gratitude card the cards look like this. If you didn't get this in the mail and you'd like to have a card, you can, um, you can take one as you leave today. The ushers will have them at the, at the back. Hopefully many of you got them in the mail in the last, uh, uh, in the last week or, or so. 
the cards, yes, they're, they're a way for, for us as a church to be good steward of, of resources, to kind of know what to expect in the year ahead. But the reason that we do these cards, these gratitude cards, these cards of generosity, is, is a spiritual act. It's an opportunity for us to, to open our arms, to take this position of, God, you have blessed us. And we just want to share so that we're open to even more blessings that you're going to pour out through our church, through your love. Next week, our invitation is to to bring these cards forward. Just think about how we've been blessed and how we get to bless others together. Let's pray. Holy God, as we hear this message from Jesus about the way to experience blessing, we're just, God, I I hope many of us can be excited about this invitation, this invitation to, to find the life that we are looking for in a life of generosity and goodness. God, may we see that when we are open to you, when we, when we share lives are changed and transformed, including our own. God, help us to, help us to realize that, that when we are open and when we share, these gifts come together and they, they lift up others. And by lifting up others, they lift up the entire community. God, may you open our hearts to your, your amazing and incredible blessings. And may this step we take together as a community It just be our collective thank you for what you are doing and what you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.